and we're, we're, we're on the Bible engagement project going through the Bible, the major themes of the Bible in a year's time, and we just shifted, we just finished the Old Testament themes, and we're starting the New Testament today. And so, in a sense, it's a little bit like Christmas in August, right? Because we're talking about Jesus coming into the world. So, the title of the message is actually, I am with you. And he talked about the name Emmanuel, which means, literally means, God is with us. And that's what I want to talk about today. I don't know about you, but I, th- I think that the idea or the truth of God being with me is really, really important. And I don't know about you, but it's the, the whole idea of God not being anywhere around or God being absent or God being distant is terrifying. But when I know that God is here, God is with me, it just makes everything okay. Some of you this morning, I know, just really need to know he is here. There's a pastor um, who was just newly appointed to a Methodist church in Tennessee. His name was Willie Lyle, and uh, he was getting ready to, to start at his new church. And the week before that, he had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord spoke to him and says, I want you to go and, and become a homeless man and live on the streets for five days of this town, Clarksville, Tennessee. And so... Willie dressed up in some old clothes and he let his beard grow and his hair grow and, and, um, and then he went down town to, the, to the, uh, the old part of town and he stayed on the sidewalk there, slept on the street, got to know homeless people and veterans and um, he got to know folks that were the working poor, they had a minimum wage job and couldn't afford to feed themselves, their families. And then... After those five days in which he learned so much about God's heart for the, for the people who are struggling, on a Sunday morning that it was going to be his introductory day where he was going to meet the congregation, he um, had a big old overcoat on and he went and he laid down near the uh, sidewalk, near the entrance to the church, and um, laid down by a tree and just kind of waited to see if anybody would notice him. And uh, he was actually encouraged. About 20 people came up to him and asked how he was doing and, and, uh, and said hello to him. So when the service started, he walked in, and that, he shuffled in in that big old overcoat. And as he walked down the front of the church towards the podium, the stage, he took the coat off, and then he took the, the old boots off, and he took the old hat off, and then his daughter came up and, uh, with a razor and trimmed his beard. <laughs> and he got up this <clears throat> to preach and he had his Sunday clothes underneath. And he got up and he said, I just wanted to, to see if the, if the church Jesus cared. You know, God comes to us sometimes in ways we don't recognize And that's exactly how Jesus came into our world. He snuck in. The military uses the term insertion, where uh, maybe a a Navy SEAL is dropped off from an inflatable raft in the middle of the night on a beach and is inserted into a hostile territory. God 
subversively put his son into the world. He, he actually brought him in as a fertilized egg, a baby in a womb. The last thing that any people were expecting. People were expecting a king. They were expecting a, a, a general. They were expecting a military fighting man to set Israel free from the oppression of the Roman government. But God had different plans. And it seems that way, doesn't it, that he comes to us in ways we're not expecting? He comes to us disguised, maybe as people that we don't recognize God in? You know, I asked a question on the slide, what do you think is the most important thing about Christmas? I don't know about you. Pardon? Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's God showing that he's with us, that he's here, that he's in our lives, that he cares about us, that he understands that he doesn't come with pomp and circumstance, and he doesn't come with riches and finery and robes. He doesn't come with weapons. He comes as a humble, vulnerable baby. Little River was around here a minute ago. I don't know if she's still here. But uh, she's, what, three or four months old now? Two and a half. And I was just looking at her and going, she's so tiny, so vulnerable. And God was saying something to us when he gave his son this way, so vulnerably, so weak. He's saying, I'm not a God with high walls. I'm not a God that wants to overawe you. I'm a God that wants to come in to know you and to show you who I am. I'm a God who's looking for a relationship with you. I'm a God that's coming to give myself to people who don't even recognize me. That's who I am. There's little river. <laughs> so precious. So it was a secret insertion. I want to read um, just a little bit here. As we see that, uh, as, as we see Mary, God approaching Mary, saying, "Hey, can you help me out here?" In Luke chapter 1, read it. Gabriel appeared to Mary, who was a, a Palestinian teenage girl. It's really what she was. And he said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Can you say that? The Lord is with you. Mary's response, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what this angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You are going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. When Jesus' name means literally, I am salvation. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, How can this happen? I am a virgin. Engaged, remember? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And then in verse 38, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, she's saying, I'm your girl. May everything you have said about me come true. I don't know how many of you watched Star Trek growing up, but um, Commander Riker you know, would be interacting with uh, Commander Picard, or Captain Picard, and Captain Picard would say, Make it so. Mary said, Make it so. And we've got to think about what was Mary saying yes to? We'll talk about that in just a second. The angel's greeting shocked Mary, but he also gave her peace and reassurance by saying, the Lord will be with you. Is that enough? That the Lord is with you? What Mary was saying yes to was being a pregnant single woman who was engaged to a righteous man in a small town like Alliance, in a town that to be pregnant as a young girl without being married was to be ostracized and shamed and even threatened to be put to death. Yet Mary told the angel, yes. If God is with you, what do you have? Yeah, everything. Everything. Do you remember the story of Moses? When the the Lord comes to Moses in the burning bush and Moses takes his shoes off because the Lord says this is holy ground. And and the Lord says, I want to send you to talk to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let my people go. And, And Moses, who's just looking at himself, says, I can't do that. I can't even talk well. And what does the Lord say? I will be with you. Or how about, how about Gideon? Gideon, the guy in Numbers chapter 6, who uh, is, is threshing wheat in a, in a grape stomping pit because he's terrified that the, that the Midianite raiders are going to come by again and take everything that they have and kill, kill more people. And so Gideon's hiding out trying to get some food for his family. And an angel appears to him and says, God's calling you to be a mighty warrior. God's calling you to help deliver his people. And Gideon's going, Who are you talking? You're talking to the wrong person. I'm the youngest son of the smallest family, of the weakest clan, of the weakest tribe of Israel. And what does the angel say to Gideon? I will be with you. When God is with us, 
That's all we need. What else do we need? If God is with you, that's right. If God is with you, then provision is with us. Protection is with us. Presence is with us. Wisdom is with us. Ideas and creativity and imagination, everything that we need, he is enough. And it's all in Jesus. We read in 1 Corinthians 6, I think it is, that that Christ is the wisdom of God. Is he with you this morning? If you're here and you've never, you've heard about Jesus, maybe you've gone to church, Maybe you've read some of the Bible and it's kind of like, this is pretty hard to read. It is sometimes. But you may have been even religious. But until you encounter the person, Jesus, he's not with you. He's, he's around you, waiting for you. But he's not in you yet. He's here this morning and he's asking you if, if you're that person. He's saying, I want to be with you. And you need me to be with you. I'm here. Open your heart to me. Say yes to me. Invite me to come. But he's not going to come with a whole bunch of other stuff. He's not going to come along with other things that you turn to in your life to meet your needs. He wants to be the Lord. He wants to be God. Because he is God. He is a Emmanuel, God with me. But if you receive him as God, as the Son of God, and ask him to come and wash away and forgive your sins, he will come in. And you will become his child. He will make you a son or a daughter. But he only comes in to those who invite him. And I pray this morning that some of you will invite Jesus in. So then, love was born on that day. Matthew 19, or Matthew chapter 1, we read that Joseph, to whom Mary was engaged, he was a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly when he found out she was pregnant. He didn't understand how that could happen. He thought she was really a a godly girl who was faithful to him. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. There's like, in these beginning chapters of the Bible, New Testament, there's like all kinds, God gives dreams in so many ways to give direction. But he says, Joseph, son of David, and the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child inside of her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by some other guy. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. Remember, what does Jesus mean? I am salvation. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, which said, look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until after the child was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. And then along with that, in Luke chapter 2, 
At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire because he wanted more taxes. And uh, everybody returned to their hometown for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah, which is David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting the child. She's out here. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, which is a feeding trough for animals, because there was no lodging available for them. So historians have uncovered something really interesting here, that this manger where Jesus was born wasn't this, you know, what we normally see in a creche, uh, a little, little barn, you know, with a little shingle roof and stuff. It was actually a cave that's just outside in the Judean hills, outside Jerusalem. And that cave and that field area there was an area where um, the, these, they, they take care of the lambs and protect the lambs and, and birth the lambs and so on, raise the lambs that are set aside for sacrifices for the people's sins to be forgiven. And so most likely, Jesus was born in that little cave where they, they had a shelter for those animals. The weather was bad. And uh, it was in there, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was born with the other sacrificial lambs. Isn't that an amazing thing? You can look that up on a, just through Google and read more about it. God as a baby. Amazing, amazing concept. God's message to us is that we are not alone. I am with you. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would come to be our wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and one translation, it's Father of Eternity, and the Prince of Peace, meaning that He is peace. He brings peace. He is peace to us. Those names mean that He is all those things not just to Israel, but for you and me this morning. Jesus is my peace. He is my counselor. He is my mighty God when I need strength. And he is my hope of eternity with God forever with him. Next we see that God in coming snubbed the elite people of the day and came to the, the poor folks. He came to the people that were not especially noted for wealth and education and social standing and authority. In Luke chapter 2, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I am bringing good news that they will bring great joy to all people. All people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, 
lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel is joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said about them, to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. The first people to hear God's good news about his son coming to earth were not religious leaders, political leaders, wealthy or prestigious people. They were the lowest people in Jewish society, shepherds. I would say that the, probably the best analogy in Alliance this morning would be somebody who's bagging groceries at Safeway. Or somebody that is making your food at McDonald's. That's who God said, these are the people that I care about. These are the people I want to proclaim myself to. Nobody is too low. Nobody is, is too poor. God cares about everyone. And we at Calvary want to be a church where anyone can come and be loved and accepted and cared for, prayed for, and encouraged. Notice there in that passage I read, the angel said that this good news was for all people. Not just the Jewish people, but all the people. And the Jews had a problem with that. And Jesus, as he grew up, kept emphasizing that I'm not just for the nation of Israel. I'm for the world. God so loved the world. And the Jewish leaders, that was the, probably one of the biggest reasons that they rejected Jesus and turned him over to the Romans to be crucified was because Jesus kept reaching out to people that weren't Jews. And, and even the early church had a problem with believing that God could save non-Jewish people. God cares about everyone in every country, in every nation. That's why we believe as a church and are so strong in, in, in supporting world missions. Because there are parts of our world where people have still not heard about Jesus. There's like 6,000 people groups in, throughout, scattered throughout the world, mainly in like India, Asia, part, you know, way out in the, in the sticks, and mostly either Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu nations. People have never, ever heard about Jesus. God cares about them. He, he asked us to work with him, to partner with him, to make sure that every nation, every person gets to hear and connect with Jesus. You know, we've been talking about Jonah a couple weeks back. Jonah is such an example of this attitude that says, it's just me and my group that I care about. Jonah didn't like the people God wanted him to go and share good news with. And he refused to go. And that's why God 
about a storm and, and he ended up getting thrown overboard and, and eaten by the fish or whale or whatever it was. And then, then he got spit up on dry land and God said, all right, here's your second chance. So Jonah went, but he w- didn't go inside. He went, he, he kind of was forced to go. And then when he gets there and he shares the message, God's going to judge you if you don't give your lives to him or repent. And they all repented, these Assyrians, and uh, Jonah was angry at God because he did not care about these people. You know, it's easy for us to get mad at Jonah, and we don't know if Jonah's even going to be in heaven, but we also need to ask ourselves that question, are there people that we think that don't deserve God, don't deserve to be forgiven? We've got to be careful to watch for that exclusive spirit, that, that thing that somehow we, somehow we think we deserve more than someone else. We don't. All of us are equal at the foot of the cross. Last couple things here. Um, the, in the video, he mentioned that there was a guy named Simeon, an old man in Jerusalem, who was waiting for God to send his Messiah to Israel. Messiah is the same word as Christ. Jesus Christ is Jesus Messiah. Okay, One word is Hebrew or Aramaic which is related to Hebrew, and the other one's Greek. Christos is the Greek word. So we read about this guy Simeon. He was righteous and devout, waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him and, and revealed. He wasn't going to reveal to him. The Lord showed him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. So he's just kind of holding out and holding out. He's getting older and older and older. He's probably wondering, God, are you going to come through? But uh, it says that day when the, when the parents brought Jesus the baby into the temple to be circumcised and, and blessed, that, that he's, he was there and he realized this is the one. I wonder if that shocked him that the Messiah came as a baby. I bet it did. He says he took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, you can let your servant die in peace now like you promised. I have seen your salvation which you prepared for all people. He is a light. Remember the video, the light. To reveal God to the nations, the nations, the Gentile nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. So, and then right in that same story, we read there was an older lady named Anna. She's like 84, been a widow for like 30, 40 years. And she's there also praying and praying and looking for God's Savior, and she sees the baby, and she comes up, and she prophesies over the baby and blesses the baby Jesus. These people that God reveals himself to, not the people we expect. And then finally, in Matthew chapter 2, this is a couple years later, or a year and a half later maybe, but we read about these kings or magi that come from Persia. We three kings of Orient are, you know. It doesn't really say that there's three. It's not in the Bible. It just fits well for the song, I guess. But we don't know how many there were, but we read that it says some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. And so anyway, they go to, they go to the palace. They're, look, they're looking for a king in the palace, right? The king's not there. The, the king who is there is very suspicious and jealous. And we know later on that he tries to kill the baby Jesus, who is apparently a two-year-old. 
And uh, anyway, they, these wise men have a dream, and God sends them a different direction, and they end up in Bethlehem, or Nazareth, probably by then, because Jesus has moved back to Nazareth with his family, and they bring their gifts to the little guy, to the Son of God, and worship him. So, in conclusion, do you see the kind of people that God is reaching, that God is, is wanting to share his good news with? It's people like you and me. The Apostle Paul describes the churches in his day in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, not too many mighty, not too many educated, not too many with high social standing, not too many strong. And he says, God chooses the foolish things of the world to, be, to show his wisdom to, to declare his wisdom to. So this morning, I don't know about you, but I feel foolish all the time. I feel weak all the time. I feel ignorant a lot of the time. And I'm getting older, so I feel creaky a lot too. I've been working on my house a little bit, so it's kind of... This morning, Jesus is for you and me. He is with you. He is with you. Whatever you are going through, He is for you and He is with you. All you've got to say is, Jesus, I want to know you. And if you know Him already, then acknowledge that. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, or I think 3, 6 says, Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your paths straight. So as we close in prayer, in just a second, I want to just ask, who do you relate to Jesus coming to? Was it the small town teenage girl who um, was probably really rejected by her community who didn't understand how she would be pregnant and unmarried? Maybe it was the poor workers in the field taking care of sheep. Or an old man held on to a prophecy God had given to him and wasn't going to let it go. Or an old woman who was faithful in prayer, trusting that God was going to answer her prayer. Or the foreign guys from most likely Iran, modern day Iran is the country of Persia, it's probably where they came from, who traveled all the way into a foreign country trying to find God's answer for the rest of the world. And that's who Jesus is. So maybe you can relate to one of them this morning. God comes to us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. How does understanding God is with you this morning help you to respond to Him? Hopefully, it will help you take a step closer to know Him better or to know Him for the first time. And if you believe Jesus is for everyone, which is what this says so clearly, how do you make other people around you aware of that? Because if he's for you, wouldn't he be for your neighbor, your co-worker, your family member? And then finally, God comes to be with us now that he's with us and he's in us, those of us who've received Jesus, how can we be with people who need God in human form 
to be with them. I've loved to see Chris and Katie as they have been such wonderful friends to Alan and Alinda these past couple days. They were friends before that. But they have just really rallied around and been there for them, brought them groceries, just been a blessing to them. That's what God wants you and me to do. He wants us to be Jesus in flesh and blood for someone that could really use a little extra love. So this morning, who do you know? Who's in your life that needs to see Jesus with arms and hands and back and legs, maybe helping carry some furniture, maybe helping bring some groceries, maybe helping fix something? How can you be Jesus to someone in your life? Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning that you are God with us. Help us to soak in that, Lord. Help us to really think about what that means for our life and our circumstances. We are not alone. You came, and you didn't came in a way that would push us away. You came in a way that would attract us. We all love babies. <laughs> Lord, what an amazing way you would insert yourself into our lives. Such a non-threatening, special way. Jesus, we just say thank you for coming. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you that I'm not alone. Help me, Lord, to just dwell on that and when I become fearful, to remember you are here. You are with me. You will get me through whatever it is I have to go through. Lord, many of us have experienced losses in this room. And in that time, Lord, emotionally, it's really hard to feel your presence. So help us hold on to your word that you say to me, Lord, I am with you. You are not alone. And I will never leave you or forsake you. Oh, thank you for that word, for that promise. Father, we ask you continue to comfort each one that's dealing with loss and trauma this week. It's been a crazy week with car accidents and other losses, Lord. We thank you that you know us, you care for us, you understand. And we just welcome you, Jesus. And Father, if there's anybody here that has never asked you to be their Savior and Lord, I pray that right now they would say, Jesus, I don't fully understand you, but I, I know that I need you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came and gave your life on that cross so that my sins could be forgiven. And I receive you today. Come into my heart, Lord. So Father, we give you the rest of this day and thank you for this time to be together as we honor you. And we bless you, Lord, as we go in Jesus' name. I just want to close with just singing that little bit of that chorus the worship team did this morning. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out and remind my soul that I am yours. I am forever yours. Amen.
Have a wonderful afternoon. Hug on people and love on people and take someone to lunch maybe, but have a wonderful afternoon. If you need prayer, we have prayer available up front right now. Come on up and we'll be glad to pray for you.